10 years left if he wants it? Jeez, sure. what, 28? We forget about how quickly he was bounced around like after that? all the success at Cleveland that took place. Wins a playoff game for them. Not, nah, we don't like them. Get them the hell out of here. Now, Cleveland is in a situation again and again and again. Sure. And again. Right. And again. That's Cleveland. Since then, football gods might have seen it all take place. He goes down to Carolina. He's on a scout team. He's rushing punts. Eli. Yeah. He's, he's rushing punts. Scout team. Yeah, absolutely. With no helmet on. Oh, just trying to be a good teammate. Then he goes over to Los Angeles Rams, remember? Mm-hmm. Wins the game on two days notice yep. on Thursday Night Football with McVay. And wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes to Tampa, plays his best football. It's like this dude's career has already been whoom, wham, pow. And now Steve Young's like, feels like we're in the right spot. And he almost confirms it. Now, He's not going to say, Steve, that's stupid. I'm not going sure. to Tampa. So, and he probably doesn't have a clue there. But it is nice to hear, I assume, if you're a Buccaneers fan, like, yeah, Baker definitely wants to come back. And he's looking at this as a long-term type situation now. There's Pat McAfee talking about Baker Mayfield. And, you know, it is true. I... It, it does kind of feel like Baker's been in the league for like twenty years, <laughs> kind of with all the stuff that he's played for. He's gone through how many teams in the? He's played for half the NS, in, NFC by now, right? Uh, Panthers, Bucks, Rams. Yeah, see, not uh, half, but it's a lot of teams. Yeah, he's he's played on four teams, and you know now he's he's in the spot to sign a nice long term deal, and you know we'll see what happens with it. I I think that. I don't know. You think there's any other suitors out there? Yes, are, I are do. we too quick to jump to say that he, it's as easy as he resigns with with uh, Tampa? I do think that there's potential suitors out there. Now, I, I guess they franchise tagged Antoine Winfield Jr. today, so that's where a lot of this conversation, like why, why this mm-hmm. is being brought up again. So they didn't franchise tag Baker. So Mike Evans and Baker are still out there. I was kind of reading around today to see who's interested or perhaps who would be interested. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, I, I guess he predicted a few weeks back that the Patriots are going to be a heavy player here. And then I saw something about the Denver Broncos potentially being interested as well. So what I consider Tampa the, be, to be the favorite for Baker next year, yes. But if it's not Tampa, it does feel like he still – thought of highly enough to be a starter somewhere else if it's not in Tampa. Man, I just, I can't imagine. I mean, think about it. It, If you're Tampa and, like, the Patriots have a, uh, they have the number three pick in the draft. Yep. Um, Now, the Broncos is a. They don't have a first-round pick, right? Yeah. That's an interesting one because they don't have a whole heck of a lot to work with. So, you know. And they're moving on from Russell Wilson. Like, that was pretty clear at the end of last season. They picked 12, uh, so they do have a first-rounder. But, you know, I I can't imagine Tampa would – Pass up an opportunity to sign Baker Mayfield. They don't have a pick to the 26th pick. What are they going to do at quarterback? I mean, 
Are they going to go back to Kyle Trask? Is he even still on their roster? Uh, I think he was on their roster last year. I have no idea the the current, and that's good. You know, I that's, mean, that's good that we don't know if Kyle Trask is, is still on the roster or not. I'm sure he is. But I, I'm sure maybe Tampa's a little bit hesitant, like, okay, he played really well. He won us a playoff game, pro bowler, all that. Maybe they're still a little bit hesitant to pay him a lot of money, but you're right. Seeing as where they are in the draft, like, is there a better option available to them at this point if they want to compete next year? Yeah, I don't think there is, and it's probably going to be—it's uh, probably going to be a brutal negotiation. I mean, think about it. You know, he's in the playoffs. You know that Baker's representation is going to be trying to get the best possible deal that they can for him. And they're going to say, well, look at the playoffs. You know, look look, look who all, you know, he went up against in the playoffs and how much money those guys make. And it's like, you know, uh, you're not going to make Mahomes money, right? You're not going to make uh, Dak Prescott money. You're not going to make, uh, you know, just any of those, those big-name guys. You're not going to make Jalen Hurts money. So there's probably going to be just this brutal negotiation where Baker's representation is probably saying, 50 million. (laughs) Don't talk to us unless you're coming to the table with $50 million. And Tampa's like, no, not paying $50 million. And I understand both sides. I, I, I think that it would be smart for, for them to, Try and negotiate around a little bit higher than the, than the Geno Smith contract that he got at Seattle. He was like 25 or 27. I think Baker should be between 30 and 35. Yes, fair enough. That's, I mean, that, you would have taken that a year ago. I, he would have taken that a year ago. A long-term deal with someone after just a one-year prove-it situation. Yeah, right. but, but they were probably, Baker's representation in the Bucks probably pretty far apart initially. And then we know how you know, it works. At some point, they'll agree on something. And I, I, I think he'll be get a, a long-term deal with Tampa, if I had to guess. Not but like an eight-year deal or anything. But Yeah. Here's the other part of it, though. You know, Tampa, I think whenever they brought in Baker, I think it was – I don't know that they imagined themselves making the playoffs. Okay? What I'm saying is – did he kind of foil their plan of a rebuild? And now, instead of being able to go out and draft a young quarterback and be able to have him for cheap and go out and build around that, build the rest of the team around that, now they're kind of stuck in a spot where they're paying a a quarterback a bunch of money and really, like, Mike Evans is another guy. Mike Evans has been in the league for like 10, 11 years now, and he just had a really nice year, a nice productive season. But, you know, they're going to have to break the bank to get him back. They have to pay him a massive contract long term. And is that really. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Is that really good for Tampa Bay? Probably not. Not for the long term. Short term it is because of what that division currently looks like. Things can change pretty quick. But I'm with you. Long term, yeah, maybe he spoiled their long term plans. But good. Baker spoils plans. That's what he's all about. I love that. So, I I mean, I think Tampa's in a. Now, they have some cap space. I think they said they had 
somewhere around $80 million in, in cap space to go out and make some moves. But, you know, you you franchise someone, you pay a quarterback $50 million or $40 million, and then you pay a Mike Evans. Like, the receiver numbers are getting huge. Like, you all of a sudden your cap space, it's gone. Uh, two texts, actually three texts, and I'm going to segue the, uh, the Baker conversation. Chapstick says Baker and Sean Payton together would be awesome. <laughs> Sean Payton, a uh, huh? He's an interesting guy. Awesome, how? As in they would hate each other, I think and they would hate each other and butt Watching it on television would be awesome. Like that's, I think there's a strong possibility in that. Kendall says five million, or, or excuse me, fifty million, or he walks. Imo. <laughs> I. I can understand I can understand the thinking on that because it feels like if you sign a new long-term deal and you're not a rookie anymore at quarterback it's 50 million dollars and that's probably what his his representation is saying but I I don't know is there someone out there that's going to pay him 50 million dollars a year I, I I don't I don't think so um, to Lane's point, Lane in California says Dak hasn't done anything. Why can't Baker get that kind of money? Dak does stuff. It's just in the regular season, but not when it really matters in crunch time. Well, maybe he can. Like I could be wrong about like what what the numbers are going to look like with him. I just I don't I I don't know. I guess I I think that. Like the way things have gone for him, it's he's played good, but I can see like there's plenty of ammunition for teams to use against him. Sure, um, I'm just thinking about Baker's career at, at OU, and it goes with the question we have on our Twitter and Facebook page: the best quarterback wide receiver duo in, in OU history. Mm-hmm. Think about Baker's three years as a starter at OU. Like for instance, when I think of Jason White's career at OU. Like, Mark Clayton was a big part of that, right? Throw Brandon yeah. Jones in there as well. Um, if you want to look at Josh Heupel, he was only here for a couple of years, but Antoine Savage, Josh Norman, a couple of those guys too. Baker kind of had – he didn't kind of, he did have three different, different leading receivers all three years. So 2015, mm-hmm. the connection was Baker and Sterling Shepard. 2016, it was Baker and D.D. Westbrook. 2017, it ended up being Baker and, and Hollywood. CD mm-hmm. was on the team, but I think he got hurt a little bit throughout that year, and Hollywood ended up being the number one wide receiver. So just in Baker Mayfield's era at OU, what's the best quarterback wide receiver duo of that time? 15 with Shep, 16 with DD, or 2017 with Hollywood? <sighs> oh. I mean, there is a Bolitnikoff winner in there. I think, yeah, okay. Now, I may get, I may get bashed for this pick, but I think considering all of the the circumstances and the situation, I think it's Baker and Sterling Shepard. Just because of the timing of it? Well, the timing of it and, you know, it later on, like in 16 and 17, especially 17, 
things were, I mean, it was a totally different set of circumstances. They had the best offensive line in the country, right? And they had skilled guys all over the place. Like, the offense had fully blossomed uh, in 15. You just fired your offensive coordinator. Yeah. And a really and young it, offensive line. No, that's a fair point, actually. Two, fr- two starting freshmen on the offensive line. You know, it was just it was it was totally too fresh. Where that was Orlando Brown was, and God, who who else? Who who else are we? It was uh, so, Samia, Drew Samia. Yep. And then you had what was Piran wasn't a how old was he? Piran was, was a freshman in 2014. So, but he, he was hurt all season. He was banging. He was banged up with that ankle for in and out throughout the year. Um, it was just it was. Much more difficult circumstances, and all of that considered, I, I think I think I would go. With I, Baker I don't and, I don't hate sure. that, especially the level of difficulty with some of the big plays they had. Like I think of the fade at Tennessee or some of the touchdowns they had against Baylor, and I'm not taking anything away from Baker and Didi at all, but a lot of that was Baker just wind up and throw it as far as you can, and Didi's going to run under it. He's yeah. going to outrun the defense. So the level of difficulty and – no, no, that's fair with the situation. Baker and Shep, they, they definitely have an argument. And, I mean, Shep's numbers are – they're better than Marquise Brown's were. They're not better than Dee's, but they're not as far off as you would think. I mean, Shep had 86 catches for 1288 and 11 touchdowns. Do you have pulled up the – the greatest single seasons by an OU wide receiver in program history. No, no but okay, I can. okay, yeah, no, 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 don't, don't pull it up. Who do you think had the best wide receiver, or who, who do you think had the best season of all time by an OU wide receiver? Like, how are we are we judging that off yards? Yeah, yeah, yes, no, yeah, I'm judging it off yards actually. Off yards, and I could actually judge this off catches too if I wanted to. I think it's probably didn't CD Lamb have like a hundred. Something catches. Um, well, CDs had the he had the fourth best regular season of all time in 2019. He had 13, uh, 1,327 yards with sixty two catches. Broyles though in twenty ten. Oh yeah yeah yeah. What am I thinking? Sixteen hundred and twenty two yards, one hundred and thirty one receptions, and fourteen touchdowns. Yeah, that's Good the one I was God. thinking of. I don't know why I thought the, that was CD's number. I knew Jeez. someone had like a blowout. It makes it like if you think back to kind of that era, um, OU was really, it felt like they were air raid during that time. I and mean, they had DeMarco, but they were really throwing around a bunch. That Broyles right. season is insane, man. 131 catches for over 1,600 yards and 14 touchdowns. That was 2010? That was 2010. So Landry's first year as a, as a full on starter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like to start the year. Yes, he, yeah. he started some games in '09, obviously. Yeah. But if you wanted to just go off that, then Landry and Ryan Broyles would have an argument. But I'm, man, I'm still I'm still tempted at Jason White and, and Mark Clayton back in '03. MC had over 1,400 yards, 83 catches, and 15 touchdowns in '03. Dang. The third best regular season for an OU wide receiver in history. Dang, that's a that's a much bigger season than than I thought he had um, because that wasn't that was not an air raid offense at the time. No, but you guys scored so many points on people. Like yep. you scored sixty five on Texas, 
77 on A&M that year, 52 against Oklahoma State. So, yeah, yeah. maybe it was an air raid, but it scored a lot of points. Regular yeah, that was anyway. – uh, that was – what do you would you say he had? How many eighty? He had uh, fourteen hundred and twenty five yards and eighty three catches. Dang! You know the next year his numbers went down quite a bit, but you yeah, know there was a bunch of guys they, that they had, had they had twenty eight in the backfield that year. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, a decent share of the touchdowns went to uh, Adrian Peterson. He had fifteen touchdowns that year. So, yeah. I mean, it's pretty incredible some of the stuff that. We we watched at the time and knew it was great, but I, you just didn't fully grasp like how how awesome it was. Like Samaje Pirine, a couple of his seasons were just incredible. Like in 2014, I've got it here. He had 1,700 yards and 21 touchdowns. Jeez, I that's almost Adrian Peterson's numbers. He's got more touchdowns, and he's, you know, he's just like two hundred yards off of where and, and Adrian he, was. And he got hurt in at least one of those games that year. He got hurt in the middle of that Bedlam game. I can't remember if he got hurt in any other games that year. But if he stays healthy throughout, he may may have rushed for over two thousand yards that year. He was having yeah. a hell of a game against Oklahoma State before he got hurt. I do remember that. Right. Um, yeah. He. He was 200 yards off of what Adrian Peterson had, and Adrian had 76 more carries and six fewer touchdowns. I mean, and we like I'm not saying we didn't think it was great at the time. We obviously did, but it was actually incredible uh, the year that he had. But you know, the offensive numbers have become easier to to get. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Chaos returns to Norman this spring, and Oklahoma baseball season tickets are on sale now. Seats start at $90 and include access to all 28 home games, including matchups with Oklahoma. Competitive rates on loans and savings accounts. Plus, they're a local member-owned institution. Join OU Federal Credit Union today and discover the benefits of being a part of a community that cares. Visit OUFCU.com or stop by the branches today. Member savings insured up to $250,000 by NCUA. Nothing says sunshine and clear skies like the smell of fresh-cut grass. And Great Plains Kubota wants you to enjoy the weather. Stop in and check out Kubota's gas-powered Z400 zero-turn mowers. Popular with residential and commercial users, the Kubota Z400 series delivers a professional finish with a comfortable ride. With a variety of features, let Great Plains find the one to fit your needs. Ask about packaging your purchase with a trailer, too. Visit the brand that serves Great Plains at gpkubota.com. That's gpkubota.com. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line we go from the 918. Mark Clayton was a beast. I would predict that he probably had the most yards after catch of all time, maybe that season. MC was a uh, master after the catch, that's for sure. That may be true. That may be true. Um, Though every time D.D. Westbrook caught the ball, he caught it about the 20-yard line, and there's no one around him, so it's like 20 yards of open field straight to the end zone. That's kind of the the thing. C.D. was fantastic after the catch, but even Hollywood – 
you know, he had a lot of long touchdowns, but I don't remember him being bombs. They're usually like shallow crossers where he just outran the whole team. That, didn't he? Yeah, at Oklahoma State, that, that game in 2017, he definitely had a go route that he hit on, but it just they threw him a ball over the middle, and he just outran yeah. the entire defense to, to the edge. You go man to man, and he catches a, a shallow crosser, and there's no one on the other side of the field. Forget about it. The three plays that come to mind for me in OU history, like best plays after the catch by an OU wide receiver. I definitely think of CD's play against Texas in 2019. Mm-hmm. There's like five defenders around. And not only did he not get tackled, I don't think any of them touched him as he right. ran to the end zone. Definitely Mark Clayton in 03 against Colorado in Boulder to put that game away. And then what Bedlam was it? The, was it 83 Bedlam? You ever seen the play where Derek she- the, the Derek Shepard made? Remember when they're down 20 to 3 in that game? And he catches it, a little short pass, and looks like the dude's absolutely going to demolish him and throw him down. He breaks out of the tackle and scores. No, but I can find it. Uh, that was 83, you said? I think it was 83 Bedlam is when he made that play, yeah. That, that's cool. Any others come to mind? Great uh, wide receiver plays after the catch? After the catch? Um... Drake had a pretty good one this year against West Virginia. He had a long touchdown. Caught it on the sideline and... Like, drug yeah. a defender into the end zone. That one was pretty good. Yeah, that's because he, he cut back on that one. And then I think cut back twice and then drug a guy to the end zone. Yeah, that one was awesome, actually. That was really cool. Um, always love the one that Shep had at Tennessee. Now, it's not just, like, it's not super long. And there's not a bunch of, like, cutting back and forth. But. You know, there's the cut, and then he jumps over that guy and yep. poses midair, which was awesome. So, Sooner Co. Wetzel says Sterling Shepard was robbed on the Bolitnikoff in 2015. The 2015 winner was Corey Coleman from, from Baylor that season. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Shep could have had an argument for sure. Uh, with all the great plays that he made in 2015. Westbrook is a Heisman finalist. I'm saying him easy. Best quarterback, wide receiver duo of the Baker era. Well, yes, and statistically, it's really not even a conversation, I don't think. what Do you have his final numbers written down? From 2015, did he rank in the top five? No, Uh, I don't have it from 2015. He won 2015. Uh, Didi? Oh, you're, you're talking about Didi from 2016. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, he was he had the second best regular season of all time, 1,524 yards, 80 catches, 17 touchdowns. Jeez. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. That's pretty incredible. And I don't think he caught a touchdown until like the fifth game of the season. Well, right? yeah. Well, he was because um, they lost to Houston and Ohio State in two of their first three games. And he was kind of non-existent because I think he was hurt. It was that TCU game. Remember when they got down? Yeah, like yeah, pretty bad in that in that TCU game, seven or something. I and think. Then, in that yeah, game. that's kind of when it started for for Didi. He had a good game that day, and then a really good game at Texas the next week, and it took off from there. Yeah, I'm watching uh, Derek Shepard highlights right now. Did you did you find that play yet? Should be at the front. Should be the first uh, highlight. I don't show. know if that was it where he kind of spins out of a tackle yes. on the sideline. Yes. Yeah, that was awesome. But all of these are awesome though. It's it's this is really cool to watch. 
You know, we just, I, you know, you just kind of forget about, you got all the recency bias and you forget about all the, the great players and, and how good they were at that time. You know, we, we're like conditioned to feel like it's like the players get better and better and better every year. Uh, I think just the views of watching them get better and better every year, and it, and it kind of leads you down a, a false path a little bit. Uh, Slim Brady actually has another good one from this year, and I think Bob was in the booth with you guys and started laughing when it happened. When Jaden Gibson dragged the oh, defender yeah. in the end zone and started pointing at the crowd at like the two-yard line, that play was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was that was excellent. That was excellent. There's been some good ones, you know. I'm trying to think of some way back in the day. I I always just love to see pure speed, and I remember. I think it was that Missouri game in 2003, um, up in Columbia. No, no O2, Curt- O2 was in Columbia. O3 was. Was in, it O2? Yeah. It, okay. O3 was in Norman. Um, Curtis Fagan. Either he may have been like a it may have been like a reverse or like a quick that he, but he was going down Missouri sideline and it from where I was standing on our sideline it looked like the fastest a human being has ever ran ever just blazing speed my jaw hit the ground uh, that and it, that's always stood out to me as something that was just amazing. Ardmore Sooner has another good one. Here's more, uh, I'm not going to call it recency bias. There's, the text line has more recent ones. Drake touching the pylon. And I think that was yeah. 22 against Kent State where he loses his shoe and still scores a touch. Drake, I, he, he had a lot of great plays throughout his career. He really had the flair for the dramatic, though, for this past couple of years in some of those, yeah. uh, some of those uh, touchdown catches he had. Yeah. He, he's one of those guys where he makes – like everything look awesome every catch no matter what it is first down catch over the middle everything looks awesome whenever he's got the football really cool uh realtor chris says all the drake after catch yards were basically based on his lack of velo uh lack of speed being able to just flat out run away from people there's some truth to that yeah. Shep's touchdown against Notre Dame was a good one, too, from the 806. Sean sent that one in as well. I feel like that was a just like a catch over the middle that he scores on. That kind of essentially ended the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Man, he – I remember that day he got hurt at Iowa State. He was off to a big game where essentially all we were doing is throwing it up to him. <laughs> He's triple covered downfield, just throw it up to him, and he finds a way to come down with everything. Here's a, here's a play after the catch that uh, has resulted in one of our favorite audio clips on this show. Mark Bradley, 4 Bedlam, catching his own tip and running under <laughs> it and scoring against Oklahoma State. It says blazing, and yeah, that was blazing speed from, from Mark Bradley. Yeah. I think he was – I mean, he played he at the same time as uh, as Mark Clayton, played at the same time as, as Brandon Jones. Mark Bradley, I, I think a little bit underrated, and maybe people don't talk about just him as an athlete and his speed yeah. and how gifted no, he, he was. was. He was really good. Good special teams player. Just, uh, you know, he was, he was really fast. He wasn't tall, but he had – he had like really long arms and 
you know, had had could make some impressive catches because of that, could jump. I mean, he was whenever you look at the measurables on the team, he was one of the guys as the best all around athlete. And then sure. Hawaiian Sooner is even giving you a vote. Layman <laughs> from Christina Sims, your uh, your play after the catch that you made. Yeah. Pretty impressive, right? That N- nothing but Bermuda in front of him. Yeah, that quick little step over the chalk line, pretty easy. That that does pretty bring up a, a random thought. We were talking about uh, the the sod earlier at uh, the softball stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many how many of the games do they play at the Cotton Bowl all year long? Two, three. Uh, there's not a whole lot that goes on there. Right. What's their yeah. secret to keeping that field from it so it's not a complete disaster every single year? Because I don't really ever hear anyone complain about the playing surface at that place. I don't know. I, you know, the less traffic you have on it, the better it should be prepared for just a, a one game. And it's 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 at a good time. It's still in growing season. So, uh, I mean, there's really no excuse for that to be a bad surface, honestly. Now – I guess whenever you used to play the Cotton Bowl, what do they play now? Is it first responders or? Uh, I mean, even that bowl game name has probably changed by now. But, yeah, it used to be the yeah. first responders bowl if it's not anymore. Now, it could be bad at that point. You know, there essentially wasn't a field. It looked like a uh, like a, a pasture that, you know, whenever you feed cows, like there's like a feedlot. It's all dirt, and then there's like hay scattered all over the top of the dirt. That's what it was whenever we played the Cotton Bowl there in 2001. <laughs> they just like spread grass clippings on a rock hard dirt uh, field, and then sprayed them all green. Well, that's all it was. That's why I asked about the field at the Cotton Bowl every single year because for some reason I envision walking into that place in late July, and it hasn't been mowed since October. <laughs> you know, that's, that's grass Full of crab everywhere. grass and dandelions Well, everywhere. it's early October. I guess we better mow this thing for the boys get out here next week. <laughs> that's what I There's envision. a guy out there spot spraying dandelions with Roundup. Uh, that's, there's probably some truth there's to that. burn spots where kids snuck in on July 4th and lighting fireworks there. Yeah, You know what? It really... Is it's shocking that they don't pull an NFL and like roll out new turf on Wednesday afternoon for the Saturday? And game. that always it feels like more times than not ends up in a complete disaster, and everyone's complaining about the turf in the game. Mm-hmm. Except for That's this right. year, I think the the surface was just fine in Vegas. Yeah, and I just going back and, and watching that video of the turf they're putting down at the softball field. I I've never seen they're basically putting down the. Like the playing sur- like the surface underneath the turf with the turf at the same time. It's like five inches thick what they're rolling down. It's pretty cool looking. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up with some things that caught my eye. Next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. There are trucks. For your free design consultation at 405-898-9098 or visit them online at SignatureCustomPulls.com and turn your backyard into your dream escape. It's what caught Teddy's eye, brought to you by Yala Gosney Law. When you call a law firm, do you want to actually talk to a lawyer? At Yala Gosney Law, communication is a priority. 405-800-8080, that's Yala Gosney Law, 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is... Did you see... Um... 
what happened with uh, Steve McMichael, the old bear? I guess he had staph infection and got super, super sick, um, 66 years old. I loved watching him whenever he was with the Bears. That Bears group, that defense was incredible. I was happy to see that he was uh, he was getting a lot better, but that was kind of interesting to see for me. I had kind of forgotten about that group and, and how good they were, played that 46 defense, and uh, he was one of those interior defensive linemen, so all pro during the 80s. I was happy to see that he's feeling better and uh, that that did not get worse where, than it was. Where did he play college football at, and why do I think it was at Texas? Is that is that right, or was it somewhere else? Ooh. I, is that right? I don't know why I'm thinking BYU. I could be uh, – I'm, I'm probably wrong, and you are probably right. There is a Steve McMichael that played defensive tackle that just, um, uh, just got uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. That did play at Texas, but this is from 76 to 79. That's probably him. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Like, did he play at Texas back then? Wow. Okay. Well, um, I didn't like him whenever he played for the Bears. Yeah. Uh, I am about to say, but, like, now do you change your opinion <laughs> of everything nice that you just said? I am happy that he is feeling better, though, from that infection. Did you see this? brawl that happened at the end of this basketball game. Oh my game. gosh, man. Wow. Uh, we, we've seen some uh, good brawls. You know what, me, what I mean by good brawls here? Sure. In the, you know, but that one, that one was... I, I even saw some takes that both teams should be suspended for the rest of the year and not allowed to play in any postseason tournaments. Is that too harsh? Yes, it's too harsh. This isn't the first time that there's been a fight in the handshake line. It's not the last time there's going to be a fight in the handshake line. Okay, so I've watched this thing a ton of times, all right? And I see a handful of – it's like kind of like pawing punches thrown. It's not like guys are squared up throwing haymakers at each other. What I see is coaches and assistants – going crazy to separate everyone. And in the chaos of them going crazy to separate everyone, it makes things more chaotic and makes guys want to fight more. I still I still say, if two guys want to fight, let them fight. Everyone just back up well, and let the guys fight. It will improve ratings if you let them do it. And in, instead, you want 500 people to come holding everyone back and gets everyone more riled up and that's whenever you have 50 guys running around on the field you know trying to swing on each other if you just let the first two guys fight it's not that big of a deal have we never seen a fist fight before you know we all scroll social media and it's basically the timeline is filled with them on a daily basis like especially on an nfl sunday that's when they're mostly there exactly are we all just going to melt away if we happen to see one on the on the floor between a couple of college kids no just let it happen then suspend the two guys and it doesn't have to turn into such a huge situation that's all i got um okay i want to start with this one because it's uh, most relevant to well not most relevant to you but i think it's important to you if you're not Mm. watching it already You'll remember that we talked about Masters of the Air coming out on Apple TV a little over yeah. a month ago. Well, it's been catching my eye, all right, because I've watched every single episode up to this point. Okay. It's not Band of Brothers. 
but only because there's nothing that will ever be Band of Brothers. But it's right. really good, man. If you like Band of Brothers, you'll really like Masters of the Air. I don't know if you've started watching it yet, but you in particular really need to because that's like the namesake of your son, man. Yeah. You know? That's right. So I think that it would really mean a lot to you and, and your family because it documents, you know, the airmen in, in World War II in the European theater, um, you know, doing bombing raids over Germany, things like I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really, really good if you haven't watched it on Apple TV. I have not. We thought about watching some of it Friday night, and I was like, you know, I think this is something that I need to sit down and, like, really dial into and and watch. So that's – I'll probably start it tonight now that you gave the recommendation. Yeah. I was worried. You know, I always get – I always get worried that I'm going to be disappointed in it, and I, like, shy away from watching it. I'd rather – I'd rather keep it built up in my head than, than be disappointed by it like it's going to be too too sappy or something like that. But hopefully it's not, and they do a really good yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't even know, like, for, for us that's never even experienced anything like that, like, how, how well do they recreate it? Do we feel right. like that's authentic to what it was really like for those guys? I, I, I don't know. Clearly I wasn't there. How could you even imagine that? But like with Band of Brothers, you felt like that's got to be as close to the reality as possible. That's how mm-hmm. I fear. Uh, that's how I feel watching Masters of the Air. They, that's they did cool. a really good job with it, man. Yeah, it's worth well, I mean, it's it's from the same group, right? Um, so I imagine they they tried to recreate kind of the same feeling that they did with the other stuff. So yeah, I'll start that tonight. Nick Saban. But we. I will say this. We opted for the Patriots documentary instead. Oh, God, that is so your house. Jeez. Old, uh, Edward was learning how to deflate a football by the end of that thing. That's right. Nick Saban will be on college game day this season, next yeah. season, whatever, and he admitted that he will not be picking against Alabama on college game day. Quote, I've tried to steer away from picking people. I think I'm going to have to do that now. But I don't know that you always have to pick the team that you think is going to win. You're allowed to have a spiritual feeling about who you like and who you want to win. So I think it will be a lot of fun, though, in quotes. Yeah. Boy, if I'm not going to use that quote next football season. Is it really important to pick who you really think is going to win? Are you not allowed to have a spiritual feeling about who you like and who you want to win? That's beautiful. Yeah, of course you are. Um I picked OU hoops to beat Kansas the other day, right? <laughs> so, I mean, come on. Um, I, Coach Stoops pretty open about it. He didn't, he doesn't pick against Oklahoma uh, whenever he was doing his stuff with Fox. So, there you go. I I would expect that. I mean, and you know, here's the thing. At least for the time being, you're probably okay. You could be pretty comfortable picking Alabama. I even if they're not the favorite, I. It, Unless things turn drastically, they're going to be worthy of a pick to win every game that they play. Yeah, at least right? at least right now. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty easy picking Alabama. You, you think he's going to do that long term? Like, Bob did it for a short amount of time, and he got back into coaching. Saban going to do this for a while? Is there going to be something similar? Does it for a short time and find something else? I think he'll define long term. Over, over five years doing this. Yes. Man, okay. You don't think so? No, I don't necessarily disagree. It's just like that's that's what he's doing now. It's 
he's on he's on college game day now. He's not coaching anymore. It's just kind of weird to think about. I know. I I the only thing that I think would pull him away is, you know, people were hinting and talking about whenever they set up this new super division of college football, they need to have a commissioner. And I think something like that, if, you know, typically whenever you start to hear, you know, head coaches and people that, you know, in those type of roles all start to have kind of these same talking points, there's usually something to it. And I think a position like that for Saban would, would be the only thing that would pull him away from it. Fair point. So, all right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two here from Bob Moore Nissan in Norman. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior, and of course, the available world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. GMC Sierra, not just any truck, the truck. GMC's continued commitment to professional-grade engineering is on full display at your Oklahoma GMC dealers. Come take a test drive today and see for yourself. We are professional-grade GMC. The Showplace Theater is the best place for live music. And with some of the best acts around. Ryan Bingham with the Texas Gentleman, April 19th. Kip Moore, April 20th. Chelsea Handler, May 3rd. I was with my brother the other day and I said, why are you even a parent? I said, you're not very good at it. And Brantley Gilbert, May 10th. Here, it's OU at Dallas Baptist, so... Tune in uh, live tonight on the ref to uh, to hear OU baseball. Uh, I don't know if we were the number one team in the country if we could beat Dallas Baptist. <laughs> it <laughs> it just it I don't know. It feels like we schedule this game every year and we just it, it's the weather's better. It's usually like a 40-mile-an-hour wind and cold whenever they play Dallas Baptist, and we get beat. At least that's my memory of it. We're probably Maybe we're, we're much better against them than I remember, but <laughs> for whatever reason, this game to me always is uh, one of those, why are we doing this to ourselves well, over you, and over? Uh, well, that's not going to stop me from picking OU to win this game tonight. And just like Nick Saban, Mm-hmm. Do you always have to pick the team that you think is going to win? Why are you not allowed to have a spiritual feeling about who you <laughs> like and who you want to win? There you go. And OU baseball looked pretty good last weekend as well. Think yes, they, they did. I'm excited game. about them, man. They've, it feels like they've got a, a pretty good group of uh, – they've got some depth pitching. And, you know, offensively, as long as they can – you know, generate some some runs, which, you know, if they can get some base runners, they're going to. Gunner from Grove says the Pacific is underrated and almost as good as Band of Brothers. Uh, the Pacific is good. I, I just, I don't, it's, nothing to me is Band of Brothers. So that's. Yeah. I think it was, I there's probably. Ever will be. It's one of those things where Saving Private Ryan came out and it was such a huge hit. Loved by everyone. Um, whether or not it was a realistic view of, of what it was like, it's it's the best I think that we could do or we could imagine, sure. right? And Band of Brothers was like the extension of that. And 
I think everyone just really gravitated towards it. And then, you know, after you have that and you have the long series, the novelty of it's gone, and I just the excitement is not going to be there on the second round with you know. Okay. Whenever you do the Pacific, think think about it this way. We got about thirty seconds here. All right, this is a way too uh, deep of a dive into into film, but is Saving Private Ryan the recreation of D Day? Is that the most accurate or better yet eye opening, like historic documentary that we've ever seen before in film? Has there been a historic thing that's been recreated in a film that's made more people say, oh, my gosh, oh, wow? I don't know. Well, you may have, like, one one instant or one moment or I, – I don't really don't know. Like, you can have, like, one explosion or one dramatic thing that happens. But, you know, the first, like, 30, 45 minutes of that film is, like – the first time you see it, you can't take your eyes off the Forrest screen. Forrest Gump right? taking a pump back at Alabama is pretty high up there, too. Clearly. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, quick time out. we got the final hour of the rush coming up next here from Bob Moore Nissan. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans, KREF, Norman, Oklahoma, and streaming live on the KREF app. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Jeff Lister here with Knippelmeyer 